You're listening to SpursCast, episode 648. My name is Paul Garcia, and I am your host here on the SpursCast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Rocky Garza Jr. In this episode, Rocky and I will discuss the Spurs' moves at the trade deadline, how the team is playing after the trade deadline, and we'll look ahead to the final 23 games of the regular season. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode with Rocky. Rocky, you haven't been on since December. How have you been? Good. I'm just glad to have been able to come back on, man. How have you been? I've, I've been well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that the All-Star break is here. I've kind of had this, this date settled, so I circled on my calendar for a while here, and a nice, a nice I think, like nine-day break. So aside from having to watch DeJounte Murray in the All-Star game, which, which will be fun, um, you know, just that one Sunday watching the game, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be nice to kind of not have to worry about basketball too much. Yeah, I feel that completely, man. I'm excited for the dunk contest a little bit, too. Yeah, that'll be fun too. All Star Saturday night. All right, so let's jump right into this episode, Rocky, because we got a lot to get through. Um, Spurs cast listeners, as you all know, uh, I haven't recorded, and it's almost going to be two weeks now since I last recorded. It was right before the trade deadline, so it was two days before the deadline. So, so there has been some changes to the team and how they're playing. They're actually playing pretty well. All right, so let's first dig into the latest games and team updates. So uh, the Spurs have only played five games since I last recorded, so they've actually played well. They're, they went they went three and two in these last five games. It's pretty much their their rodeo road trip so far. The first half of it. Uh, so let's go back to February 9th. Uh, they're on the road at Cleveland to begin the road trip. They lose by 13 in this one. Uh, Cleveland was favored, and the Cavs pretty much you know, uh, led the way here. They led by 23, and, they, and it never really got close. Uh, Friday, then after the trade deadline, the Spurs uh, go on the road to Atlanta, and they get a pretty good win here. They win by 15 points. Atlanta was favored in this game. The Spurs were led by 26, pretty much blew them out, and they never trailed in this game. Then on Saturday, the second out of a back-to-back, the Spurs are on the road in New Orleans. They get another win by 10 points, and New Orleans was favored in this game. The Spurs led by 18 in this one, and they never trailed. So so two pretty good wins uh, at New Orleans and at, at Atlanta. Then on Monday, the Spurs travel to Chicago, and they lose this one by 11 points. Chicago was favored. Uh, they got the game t- down to crunch time, but the Bulls um, did lead by 11 points in this one. And then the, the final game before the All-Star break was Wednesday. Uh, the Spurs are on the road at OKC. They win by eight points. Um, San Antonio was favored, we should note. Uh, the Thunder with that a lot of uh, main uh, key players. Uh, the Spurs led by 16, but OKC actually fought pretty hard, and, and they got the game down to crunch time, but the Spurs did hold on for the win. So this is a pretty good uh, week for the Spurs. They were projected to go 1-4 and four in these last five games. Instead, they go 3-2, and two, so, they, so they want a lot of these games that they were supposed to lose. Uh, overall, where do they where do they stand as a team? They are twenty three and thirty six on the season, so they're they're still twelfth out west. Um, they're now two games behind Portland uh, for tenth out west. Um, they're still seventh in terms of, of lottery positioning, so they have the seventh worst record in the league, which is a thirty four percent chance at a top four pick and an eight percent chance at the number one overall pick. Uh, they've improved slightly offensively. They've gone from fifteenth last time uh, I recorded a Spurs cast to now fourteenth. They're still eighteenth on defense, and they're they're just playing really well right now. They've won four of their last six games, and this even goes back to before the trade deadline even took place. So, Rocky, I know that's a lot of information. What are your thoughts on how the team is playing lately? It's been real surprising to me because, I mean, people expected the Spurs to, to continue to lose, and then especially after the trade deadline, you expect some people were saying, well, the Spurs are going to you know, aim for the lottery and they're going to get worse, but then you've been seeing a real surprise of the team. In a preview that I did, I had them you know, beating the Pelicans and, and had, them, had them beating uh, Chicago and the Thunder. So it's been real surprising that Chicago lost. I figured you know, that the Spurs would get a loss with, without Levine, without Vucevic, but DeMar just had a hell of a game. And he had 40 points himself, and the Spurs t- kept it close. And then against OKC, when, once you saw all those players were out, it was kind of a given that they were going to should easily get a W. But, you know, OKC kept it close, like you said, but the Spurs were able to pull it out. Yeah, and I think I, I was I might have been one of those people. So, you know, um, we have a, you know that we have our Slack group. And so one of the messages I had put after they had traded Derek White was, 
um, I had kind of put, you know, what if this team goes like four and something the rest of the way? And the reason why I say that is because I was looking too much at when they have Pirtle, White, and Murray on the court. Uh, they, they were a really good team. They were 16 and 19, so almost a 500 team when they had those three players. And so when you trade one of those players, I mean, when you, when you take one of those players off the team, you know, you think that that's going to be tough for them. Well, then I actually went back and I, and I looked at, you know, what is their record when they just have DeJounte and Jakob on, on, on the team? And it's not that 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 far off. So they're actually a pretty good team still. They're, they're 19 and 25 now um, through 44 games with, with at least DeJounte and Jakob in the same game. So again, yes, why was it was an incremental part of this team, but they just having DeJounte and Jakob, that's still going to be a pretty good ball club. And so they definitely are, are surpassing those four wins that I that I had put in our Slack message at one time. Um, so now let's go ahead and get to our second topic. And this is the, you know, just kind of recapping the trade deadline. The Spurs were very active. I mean, they were already active before the trade deadline because they had already traded Bryn Forbes. That was an unlikely move that the Spurs usually don't make is make a trade almost a few weeks before the deadline. So let's let's just first recap uh, what they did and then, uh, you know, what our, what our thinking is on them going forward. So let's go back to Wednesday, uh, the day before the deadline. They actually made their first trade. They acquired Thomas Sadoransky uh, and um, a, 2020, uh, a 2027 second-round pick in a three-team deal with the Utah Jazz and Portland Trailblazers. Uh, in, in, um, a player who got sent out was Juancho Hernan Gomez. He got moved to Utah in this deal, so the Spurs got Sadoransky at a 20 and a second-round pick. Uh, Sadoransky hasn't played yet. He's on the roster, but um, you know, as far as his contract, he's he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So basically, he's on an expiring contract right now. Um, then on Thursday, the Spurs made two big trades here. Um, they first acquired Goran Dragic and a protected 2022 first round pick from Toronto for Thaddeus Young, who has been wanting out of San Antonio. Drew Eubanks, and then also a 2022 second round pick. Uh, and then um. Drogic eventually was waived later in the week or, or a few days later at, via buyout, so he's now an unrestricted free agent. He, he's, he's likely going to sign with the contender. Then uh, another trade the Spurs made, which is more shocking one, was uh, the Spurs acquired Josh Richardson, um, Romeo Langford, a protected 2022 first-round pick from Boston, and the rights to swap a 2028 first-round pick with Boston for Derek White. So so even though Mike and I did discuss two weeks ago, uh, Derek's name has been a rumor, so we, 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 we did want to preface with that. Uh, it was just a, a, still a little shocking for them to get, like I said earlier, get rid of one of the, the main three players on this team when you talk about DeJounte, Derek White, and and uh, Jakob Pertl. Uh, what does it look like as far as their, their salary situation going forward? We know that Richardson has a guaranteed $12 million um, on the books next season, $12.1 million, and also Langford has $5.6 million guaranteed next uh, next offseason. I mean, yeah, next season. Uh, Richardson has already uh, joined the lineup. Coach Pop played him Wednesday at OKC. He came off the bench and play, played a few minutes. Uh, and the Spurs do have one roster spot open, but right now it doesn't, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to sign anyone, but we're and that spot is open, so they could sign someone if they wanted to. Um, some other um, future projections is that because uh, you know they, they made these trades, they they, they are probably going to end up with three first round picks in this June draft as long as they convey, which they likely they look like they are going to because Toronto's a very good team and so is Boston. So so those two teams shouldn't uh, you know be in the top you know five of the lottery. So you know if the draft was held today, the Spurs would be to, uh, uh, coming away with the seventh pick if based on their standings, the eighteenth pick and nineteenth pick. And this is a good package when you get closer to the road trade deadline if, if they have these three picks because if they wanted to move up for like a top you know three pick top four pick they could you know package all three of these together or two of them together and try to try to move up maybe try to entice one of those teams who, who, who's in front of them so that's so that's something to consider and then where does it look at as far as their their um their cap space for this offseason they can be very flexible now they can open anywhere from 12.3 million to 33 million dollars in cap space uh this offseason Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs 360 windmill good. 
New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the the NBA. 21 and older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN red line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. So, uh, Rocky, what are your thoughts on the on the, on the um, trades moves that they made and then also uh, what their kind of cap sheet looks like and, and their draft positioning going forward? Well, to start off, I think the, first, the word they use what, uh, to describe everything is shocking. I mean, based on the Spurs history, you never see them be be participating in the trade deadline. Their most famous trade, which was a couple years ago, was Nanda Dakota of Austin Day. There was always rumors every year that the Spurs were going to move X player for the Y player, so you never really knew what was going to happen. But the more likely player that people thought that would get moved was Lonnie Walker, and now you see Lonnie Walker stay, and it was real surprising to see Derek White move. It came out of, it came out of left field, and even Derek said he was surprised himself. Uh, I, I think the Spurs did a really good job at accomplishing like, getting all those, those picks, and it kind of sets the mood that they're going to be heading towards a rebuild, which is good, and that's why many fans have advocated that they want to see a rebuild. I mean, the Spurs have traditionally been, you know, not not focusing on rebuild. They go for net, more picks later in the round, and they've had those vets. You had the big three, you had Kawhi, you had all those vets on the team. So it's kind of unusual to see the Spurs going towards the youth movement. But maybe you see a Josh Richardson get that get that spot if Lonnie say were, were to walk, or you get a chance to take a chance and see what Romeo Lampard, who was previously a lottery pick a couple years ago, to see what he can do. And like you said, you know, the Spurs have twelve point three to thirty three million that they could have in cap space. Maybe they go after, say, a Bradley Beal or a Zach Levine or anyone else, uh, some other big free agents. But it's going to be interesting to see what the Spurs are going to do. You know, their pick obviously could land top five, and they won't have to move up. But if, even if they were to trade for a top three pick, you know, that's going to be setting a big move for San Antonio. And then that, if they're going to be making that big trade, that's going to set up some lofty expectations for that top three player. Yeah, no, you had some good points there. And, and uh, you know, I just want to go back to their flexibility, kind of what you said. You mentioned some names, you know, Bradley Beals, I mean, unrestricted free agent, so um, Zach Levine. And so, yeah, they have that flexibility where they can try to maybe send one of those those free agents a max contract offer. Or um, if they don't want to, if they, if they don't, you know, those players don't uh, come to San Antonio, well, then they also have that flexibility where they can try to trade for someone. someone so maybe they, they want to give DeJounte, you know, somebody else to, to play alongside because now that he's an all-star, maybe get him a player who's close to an all-star level or, or is an all-star. Well, that, that $33 million in cap space, you, it, it makes it a little bit easier to take 
taken a player via trade. Uh, if there's a player out there who's maybe unhappy, you know, in the offseason and wants to get moved and come maybe with the, with a team like San Antonio. So again, that's there, there's just a lot of flexibility that the team has going forward. And while staying so, while also staying in that youth movement of, of you know maybe getting who knows if they're, they they get really uh, lucky in the lottery and end up with like a top three to five pick. So that and I know Benjamin Bornstein, our draft expert or project expert, has mentioned this is a a top uh, a top five player kind of draft. So so again, it's just a lot of different um, uh, moving moving pieces. Again, the, the fact is that like they got they got um, you know assets for for a lot of these players who weren't who weren't going to be on the team anymore. If we go back to Bryn Forbes when he got traded, he basically turned uh, into Wancho Wancho Hernan Gomez, who ended up turning into Sadoransky uh, and that um, and that second round pick. So basically, they got a, they got a second for for Bryn, actually two seconds for Bryn. Uh, and then we go to Thaddeus Young, you know, a player who who they got because they had they did the sign of trade with DeRozan, and originally they, they didn't know if they were going to get a first round pick for Thad because his kind of his trade value looked like it had gone down. Maybe just a second round pick would all, be all they got for him. But no, instead they come with the first round pick from for, for Thaddeus Young um and the same thing you know Derek yes he's a key part of this team he was as Mike and I talked about two weeks ago he was he was one of the players who though is getting older and so you know you know we you didn't know how much more of a jump he could make and so because of that they did decide you know this is a good chance to also get a draft asset and so they got not only two um, players who could be in the rotation but they also got the, 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 those uh, those future first round picks as well so that's again so, so they they end up having a good trade deadline in my opinion I think a lot of people too that I've seen that I've seen in red uh, that they've mentioned that you know this has been a good trade deadline for the Spurs. Let's go to our third topic here, Rocky. And this is kind of, I do want to preface that this is a very small sample size, only four games, but this team is playing well. You know, it's uh, especially losing, like I said, um, you know, they did lose Drew Eubanks, who's kind of fallen in and out of the rotation. They, they lost that young who hadn't really been in the rotation at all, but the key player there was Derek White. He had been a main uh, contributor to this team uh, this season and, you know, in, in the past as well. And so they are playing good basketball, even though they did lose Derek. So let's just take a look at some early numbers and ha- how the team is doing. So to begin, uh, they are three and one since the trade deadline. So the, so they're, so they're playing uh, pretty good basketball here. Their offense is playing very well. They're fourth on offense right now, and then their defense has turned turned back into about league average. So they're not they're no longer they're no longer 18th where they where they currently are uh, as a whole team. So they're 13th on defense. Uh, what have I noticed uh, in terms of the numbers on offense? It's really been the shooting. So, so again, not in all these four games, but in two of those four games, they shot very well from three. Coach Pop mentioned this. this is, that was a key reason why uh, they were able to, to win two of those games. Actually, by blowouts that Atlanta game and also that Pelicans game. So they've been shooting pretty well. Um, they got a little cold in the last two games uh they're scoring efficiently near the rim that's that's also something notable is that that, that when they drive and, and they try to attempt shots near the rim they're actually being more efficient than usual and also uh one key key mark here is that they are increasing their free throws and that's that's important because Derek was actually their their leading foul shot taker he was the player who got to the line the most for them and so i thought you know losing their their their, their, their main player who gets to the line that was going to be a, a big issue for them but no we, we've actually seen Dejounte get to the line more often and also Kelton johnson they've both become more aggressive in getting free throw attempts and, and helping the team um, you know, uh, increase their free throw numbers. On defense, we have seen um, opponents aren't getting as many second-chance points, so that's kind of been helping the Spurs. That's one of their, their Achilles heels for the season is second-chance points allowed, and they've been doing pretty good there on the boards. Um, opponents aren't getting as many shots at the rim, so, so they're keeping opponents away from the closest uh, area of the rim, that dunker um, layup spot. And then they're also continuing to protect the rim well. And I know I know, just uh, that game against the Thunder was a big one where Jakob really had a, had, a, had, a, had a really good game under the rim, and Coach Pop you know, said he was a star of that game. Uh, right now, they are winning twos by 10 points, um, threes by six points, and the free throw line by six points in these last four games. So they're a plus 22. For the season, they are a plus eight, um, but but for the season, they're losing the threes and the free throws. Uh, so just talk, let's just talk about some players who have really been stepping up with, with more shot attempts and more opportunity. Uh, DeJounte Murray's gone from now 19.9 points per game to 25 in these last four. Uh, Keldon Johnson's gone up from 15.7 points per game to 19.3 in these last four. Doug McDermott, 
uh, pretty much 12 points per game to now 15.8. Lonnie, has, uh, who you mentioned, Rocky, has been playing well, 11.2 points per game to now 14.3. And then Devin Vassell has become a starter uh, with Derek uh, gone, and he's increased his scoring from 11.5 points per game to about 13.5 points per game. And, and it's really cool to see some of the younger players uh, get get more opportunities to, to run the offense and, and do things like a pick and roll or, or even do some isolation sets. And that's specifically Keldon and um, Vassell. So, so DeJounte, of course, with Derek gone, he needs to be the main player who drives this team, who kind of gets them, gets into the, the teeth of the defense and breaks them apart. And so he's doing that. We've seen DeJounte's drives increase from 18.1 to 19.3 in these last four games. Keldon's drives have increased from 7.7 to 8.5. Uh, Lonnie's 5.7 to 6. And then Vassell, 3.6 to 5.5. So again, the, these younger players are now getting more opportunity to, to operate on offense and kind of just you know get, just get more experience in, in running, uh, running the team and becoming a playmaker. Uh, Rocky, what are your thoughts on this team right now um, post-trade deadline? Again, it is a small sample size. Yeah, it's post-deadline when I saw the sample size uh, off, uh, off Twitter of people talking about it and how you mentioned it as well. It's really surprising. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of people... Imagine, well, the Spurs are probably going to get some more losses with Derek White. Derek White was viewed as a crucial piece. But uh, to me, I, you know, I see it as a blessing in disguise, and it's, it's it's a good thing the Spurs are winning now because, those, like you said, those younger players are getting those touches. You see Murray stepping up more. You know, he's jumping from 19.9 points to 25. And, and, was, and people were saying that Vassell was another Derek White, but with a higher ceiling, cheaper, and so people were advocating for, for White to get traded. You know, White's, White landed in a pretty good spot with Boston. You know he's familiar with Ime Udoka, and he's gonna he's gonna seamlessly fit in. And you know there were people at well saying, "Well, look at White now. The Spurs are gonna miss it." But you have Vassell, you have Lonnie. You know even though Lonnie has been inconsistent, this could light a fire under him, and maybe he he returns on that uh, to to come off the bench. And I feel like you know, when they try to put Derek White coming off the bench, it just didn't work for him because him and Lonnie both need the ball. So maybe Lonnie gets the opportunity to actually lead the second squad now. You see Keldon taking those more touches. You see Vassell getting more integrated in offense. And now Murray is able to, you know, be a be a true point guard. I mean, he already is in a sense. But when they had Murray and, and White together, people saw, saw White as a shooting guard. But M- White was more of a pass first guard. So now you have more Murray, you know, being there, and you have Vassell as that shooting guard now. So it's interesting to see what they're going to go on going forward. You know, some people are advocating the draft that they really need a four. But you have Zach Collins too. You know, not many people are not really talking about Zach Collins, but Zach Collins could be the answer of the four that they need. But it's just going to be really interesting what they're going to be doing going forward. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great transition to our final topic, and that's kind of just looking at the final twenty three games. I mean, when you when I when I do interviews with the players after the games, the post media sessions, post game media sessions, you know, this is these are not players who who are who are ready to just you know call call it call it a night and just you know let the Spurs tank and get a top five pick. No, they're going to make it very difficult because Dejounte's been on the record. I think Keldon and Vassell, they've all been saying they want to win games. They want to try to get into the playoffs, whether it's the playing game or the or playoff seed. These are these players are going to compete down 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 to the wire here. And even Coach Pop had a very um interesting comment he was basically asked um before the chicago game you know how do you approach this knowing that some segment of your fan base does want you to tank basically lose games on purpose because it increases your your lottery odds and pop basically said i mean flat out you cannot ask players to lose games this is not something you can do as a coach it's just not you know you know this again so 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 even pop was asked about this kind of about you know how, how close they are because they're, they're kind of in that window from they're only two games behind portland for being in the playing game but they're, they're also only like four and a half games behind okc from being in that in that top five top five pick range so again uh the, the players are saying on the record coach pop saying that they are going to try to compete 
compete and try to get um, you know get into the playoffs or, or playing game range uh, in these last uh, 23 games after the All-Star break. And so one thing that might lead to them try, trying to uh, you know find more success after the All-Star break as well is is their um, their, their schedule. You know, it's not it, it's about you know league average. It's it's 12th according to Tankathon in terms of strength of schedule. So it's the 12th hardest schedule, which again isn't isn't the, you know the top five hardest, or it's also not the easiest. So the way we look at it is. 12 of their opponents remaining after the All-Star break are, are have below 500 records. So these are losing teams. Um, and the Spurs have been playing well against uh, losing teams. They're 16-12 and 12 right now at, at the pause of the All-Star break. Uh, 11 of those opponents, though, um, do have records of 500 or above. And this is where the Spurs do struggle. They're only 7-24 and 24 against really good teams uh, this season with, with winning records. So basically, if, if we took if this actually happened and, and they won and lost these games against these these kind of teams, they're projected to win about eight to nine more games uh, after the All Star break. So so that would probably uh, definitely get them over the um, their Vegas over under odds, which was about 30, 30 wins this year. Uh, that would get them that. That would definitely get Coach Pop the record, uh, the all time wins uh, record. But it may not be enough to get them into that that tenth playing game. They may end up staying in the lottery there uh, and not quite getting to the playing range. They would probably have to win some more of those games that they weren't favored to win. Um, uh, and then also, uh, just the teams that they're kind of competing with here to, to watch down the stretch for, for these play in uh, games for that 10th spot are the Portland Trailblazers, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings. What are your thoughts, Rocky, on these final 23 games upcoming? Yeah. So I think, I mean, you know, it's going to be interesting to, to see where they go from the stretch, you know, are, and I, and I have to agree with coach pop, you know, you can't tell your players when, when fans are saying that they want to, to have their team lose. You can't just tell the players that, and come out and say, we're going to openly lose. That's going to create a losing culture. And you may have some players not like that direction. Um, you, you see Dejounte Murray come out saying that we're playing for the play-in, and you know what do you want? What, to me, like what do you want him to say? Do you want him to say that we're going to come and open out lose? I mean, but the things I always tell those first fans that want to come out and lose, you know, it's kind of a win-win situation when you look at the team. You know, whether the team wins, they're getting that experience. Whether the team loses, they're still getting that experience. You know, winning, they push towards the play-in, and you know they get that experience whether they make the play-in or not. And that's only going to be beneficial for them in the long term. They're going to get that playoff minutes. They're going to grow, and it's just going to eventually see the Spurs going back to going to, to the playoffs every year. But if they lose, you know, they're still getting that experience. They're going to be going to the pains. You have to go to the pains to get better. And also you get a chance at a better top pick. So I think, you know, either way, it's a win-win situation to me. But it's going to be really tough. I, mean, I think the silver lining for Spurs fans, they can take away no matter whether you're team tank or team team playing is Pop's getting the record. You know, Pop only needs three more games. That's good for them. But we'll have to see what, where we're going to go off from here. But it should be really interesting, interesting to see if, you know, maybe a Romeo Langford gets minutes if the Spurs are kind of hinting that they're not going to make the play-in. Maybe Josh Primo gets those minutes. You'll see more of Josh Richardson, more kind of a Zach Collins. And, and maybe they're most likely they're going to use these 20, final 23 games just to evaluate who's going to be on the team necessarily next season. You know, you'll have those players that are already locked, but just so those kind of iffy players, and we'll see if you can go away from there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. And, and just, yeah, exactly. Like, they just go in either direction at this point, and, and we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, like I said, I mean, this past these past five games, they weren't supposed to, to win three of them. They were they were supposed to go one and four and said, no, they come out with a three and two record. So if they can defy the odds and, and beat some of those teams who they're not supposed to beat on certain nights, well, then, hey, they have a really good, strong chance to get into that playing game. But like you said, Rocky, if they, if they can't figure it out and, and um, you know, they just end up losing a lot of those games, well, then, hey, you're going to get it. You're going to, the incentive there is that you're going to get a pretty good draft pick. All right, so uh, th- uh, th- don't 
forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com. SpursCast listeners, um, Stephen Michael continues to update you on how the team is performing in his game-by-game analysis. Um, Benjamin Bornstein, whew, he, I, I can't wait to have him on the SpursCast again now that now that the Spurs might have three picks in the first round. So he's he's going to be busy here uh, evaluating basically all the way from the lottery all the way up to you know the, the, to the um, you know late, late all the way up to about the, about pick range of twenty because of that Boston and, and Toronto picks that he's going to have to evaluate where the Spurs might pick there. So so keep an eye on ben, Ben's work with the draft coming up, and then also Rocky continues to write to write his weekly previews over on projectspurs.com so make sure you check out all that that great content over on projectspurs.com thanks to rocky for joining me here on the spurs cast and to michael de leon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.